Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, to the very end of the age. This is the word of the Lord. served at Richmond Chinese Alliance Church, um, which is down by Steveston, um, and I get to share Doug's um, really cool youth pastor table here. Um, my connection to you is, uh, well, I've known Doug since I moved here in Vancouver. Uh, I'm originally from Calgary um, back in 2018, and I met some of you guys even through like winter conference. My youth and young adults were just asking me, what is, youth, what is winter con? And I, I said it was a church it was a church camp for adults, which is essentially it, right? We're in a hotel, you get to hang out, it's church camp for adults, we stay late, there's a lot of good snacks, um, but either way, we get to worship God together, we get to be in a community with brothers and sisters, and we are brought together by Jesus, and we are brought together for Jesus, as we to make him known. And so, that's the heart of this message as well, um, that's the heart of, of the passage, to make Jesus known, to teach so that people would obey, to go and make disciples, and to be there with and for one another as we all proclaim the work of Christ in our lives. And so thank you, Caitlin, for reading the passage. Um, the passage, known as the Great Commission, it's sandwiched. We go with authority, with all of Christ's authority from heaven, earth, we go with his authority, and then we are to go and make disciples in the name of God, Father, Jesus, Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit. We are to go and teach so that people would obey. And teach just requires so much more than talking. Teach requires just a participation in obeying together and role modeling what it looks like to be in a life lived with Christ worshiping him, confessing our sins, and coming to him for grace and mercy. All of that, then, we know we are not alone. We are done. We're doing all of this work of discipleship making with, with Jesus, under his care. All of our words being guided by him, and all of our hearts being tuned to him. That's the Great Commission in a little summary. Let's dive deeper in all of that. Let me pray as we get our hearts going. Our living God, our Jesus, our Messiah, our wise counselor, our mighty king and prince of peace, Father, you have given us these words, this commission, this sending off for a reason. So our living God, who is with us always, you to in our hearts and our ears to receive your word now. All of this for your glory. And we pray. Amen. Uh, Pastor Doug is away at a leadership retreat, and he was, um, he invited me to, to, to 
come in and share God's word with you. And he gave me free reign as to what passage to talk about. So I scoured your website. I scoured your website so I could jump alongside the work that is already being done here. And I noticed on January 14th, you guys had a sharing night about three, two, one groups, right? Y'all familiar with that? Three, two, one groups? Yeah, I see a couple nods. Is that a new thing? Yes. Okay, cool. That's a new thing. All right. Well, here's what I read from your website. Um, three, two, one groups. Your groups where three people meet for two hours once a month. A structure for spiritual intimacy to foster, which points us all closer to Jesus. I'm mesmerized by all of the information. There's a beautiful web page all about three, two, one groups, about your heart and your intention about it. And here's the question, why three, two, one groups? Getting into deeper, meaningful conversations can be hard in large groups. We follow Jesus' model here. He ministered to crowds, but also had his inner circle of Peter, John, and James. Three seems to be the smallest unity of unit of community. Where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. Matthew chapter 18. And the aim of these small group sizes is to allow for deeper and more intimate discussion with four focuses. Relationship, spiritual friendships, spiritual growth, and spiritual depth. Did I get all that right? Yes. Three, two, one groups. They resonate a lot with my heart too, because that's also how I came to, to know God deeper and deeper. Uh, I was one of those youth that were straddling the lines between being forced to church and trying to meet my friends here. And a lot of times I didn't know what my whole desire of church was. Why did I come? Why was there a big battle at home every single Sunday morning with my mom and my dad trying to get me to this building here to see all of these people? What was the whole intention behind? It was only until years later, because I was in like second or third year of university, that small group discipleship became the platform that God used to go and reveal his love in my life. Long, drawn out, two, three hour conversations in the middle of the night. That's how I came to know and intimately just hear from God through being caught in a one-on-one platform of reading God's word. I had this one mentor who would meet me at a Boston pizza on Friday night, almost every Friday night. And we would be there until 2 a.m. He would share the gospel with me over a long series of time, for a couple of years almost. He would teach me just one-on-one how to read the Bible, who Jesus is, who God is. And yes, the church does have that responsibility of teaching and proclaiming through a medium like this, sharing God's word through the pulpit, or through Sunday school, Christian education. But my point is this, there is a long, deep, lasting impact, and it is vital for us to participate in intentional, small group discipleship. And that's the aim of this passage. When Jesus talks about the great commission of sending forth and making disciples and teaching them and teaching them to obey, one of the biggest gifts that he has given to us as the local church is small group discipleship. 
So I wanna jump alongside the work that you guys are doing and give you guys a couple of encouragements as well as name some obstacles that we may face as local churches as we go and do this intentional work of discipleship. And so make disciples is the words that I wanna linger on from Jesus' great commission. Make disciples. What does this word disciple mean though? We don't really hear it a lot in our modern day language. We don't often use it aside from like in a Christian faith-based kind of setting, right? I don't know if you guys ever use the word discipleship in the marketplaces, workplaces that you guys are at. I know that I rarely did back in the day. And so discipleship, you might be more familiar with this word, apprenticeship. For those of you working in the trades industry, you'll have a better understanding of this word so much more than the rest of us. Apprenticeship. It's a teacher, it's a form of teaching that more than passes on knowledge. But it's a form of teaching that participates in this one-on-one relationship. This really deep work of building into one another as mentor and mentee. There's somebody who wants to teach and there's somebody who wants to learn. And all of that does work, that all of that good work takes just time and depth and growth to foster. It's like a good soup takes a long time to boil. All of that work takes years and years and life and life and time and time to go and work out. For those of us who have a driver's license, think about the way that you drive. Think about all of your habits. Think about yourself at the most relaxed state of driving. You're driving for like an hour or more on the highway. Where are your hands? Are your hands at the 10 o'clock and the 2 o'clock position, as the good book says, the handbook says? Or is it at 12 o'clock? Because you've learned your driving skills from too fast to furious. That kind of stuff is what I think about when it comes down to apprenticeship and discipleship. See, I learned this from my dad. He drove like this. Or sometimes the steering wheel would be right there, and he would drive with his pinky sticking on the other side of the steering wheel and all of his fingers on the other one. And as a little kid, I was looking at him and I go, why are your hands like that? Why is your pinky not with the other ones? And he said, well, these ones like to have a party. This one's got more energy for And he kind of just like drove like that. And he gave him good control and he was good. At least he didn't drive with his knees and I was okay. But that kind of stuff, I recognize when I'm in the car, I always drive like this as well. And it's not the safest thing. But at the same time, it's like, where did I get that from? I got that from years and years of learning, of watching somebody else do this skill. And perhaps that's what small group discipleship is. Perhaps that's the point of 321 groups. A deep dive into proclaiming the gospel through life on life. A deep dive of sharing all of your suffering and sharing all of your comfort with one another as you just live life alongside one another. You know, in these small groups is, is where you get to hear each other's suffering. It's not a place of therapy, but it's a place for mature and intentional reflection. And it's a place where brothers and sisters get to come with one another on this journey that God is putting us in. And we get to call out things through their stories that Jesus might be doing in their hearts. Hey, when you share this story, 
It looks like God is bringing circumstances or even people to form and shape this part of your heart. Or hey, it looks like this passage is, is really resonating on my heart as I hear your story. And you get to pass on God's word to one another. This work is, I'm sure, familiar to you. I'm sure I'm not seeing anything new when it comes to this kind of life on life, brother and brother and sister and sister. This is the heart of local church community. Your description even points out Peter, John, and James. And there's stories all throughout the Gospels of Jesus sitting in deep, long conversations with those three disciples in the twelve. Or even in the Gospel of John where he finds the Samaritan woman at the well. Or even Nicodemus who finds him by night. And there's these beautiful conversations of how, Jesus, you said this, you made this claim. How? How, what does it mean when you said this? And through those long, drawn-out conversations, so we really get to tap into discovering Jesus' love for us in real and tangible ways. Then, as you gather here on a Sunday morning, so we get to praise God as a corporate church. Together, all of these pockets of local church small groups coming together now to be as one, to sing praises, and to hear from God's word where we all go in break in our communities to go do this deep work of wrestling all over again. Three to one groups, small group discipleship, intentional one-on-one discipleship. What would it look like through these intentional discipleship opportunities? What would it look like if our roles as disciples of God was to love God and then be a reflection of his love to those around us. And truly with the intentional act of loving each other and being with each other, so that every person in this room and beyond, in this community of Lord's love, would know that there are brothers and sisters, at least one person who is intentionally building into them for the sake of drawing closer to Jesus. What if you looked around today to your left and your right, and you could say, that person, the back of the head that I see over there, I know that somebody is investing discipleship into them. All of this work is done so that we may go and be with one another, as we go and imitate Christ together. See, Paul had this, um, this disciple as well. His name is Timothy. And he goes and says at one point to the Corinth church, and, and even his heart towards Timothy, his disciple, is be imitators of me as I am of Christ. So we're pointing one another to Jesus. And we're pointing one another to his authority in our lives, calling attention to the work that he is doing. And this is hard work. This is difficult work. And so why don't we go and acknowledge the obstacles then of why it looks like going and making disciples, teaching them to obey, and baptizing them all in the name of Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Why these things are difficult. Let's acknowledge them first. Three things. Is that first you feel unqualified 
Is the second that you might feel too busy? Or is it the third thing that you might feel like discipleship is overcomplicated? Underqualified, busy, or overcomplicated? Underqualified. We feel like sometimes that I don't even follow Jesus or respond to Jesus like the way that I ought to. So why would I go and make disciples? We look around the room and with the information that we have, we think that other people are more qualified to do this work. We think that might be a job for somebody else, like somebody on this retreat or somebody that comes on stage with microphone there. So often we think, we don't have anything. What is this thing that I'm called to do, discipleship making, when I feel like I'm not on the journey yet? Well, look at the passage and notice how Jesus just says, go. There's no qualifier to it. He doesn't say go when you're ready or go when you've taken the program or go when you got like 10 verses tucked away. No. He says just go and be willing to go. It's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be leaving your safe spaces and it's going to be intentional. It's going to take some heart work. It's going to take some communicating. Communicating even about the things that you're wrestling with and about the questions that you're asking. But there's this sense of just going. Try it. Because as the passage says, we go in his authority and he is with us as we go. We go not being sent by ourselves, but we go under his invitation, his commission, his, his commission. Is that you feel too busy? Our schedules are packed. Our plates of responsibility are too full. It's hard to evaluate your priorities even when your desires are there. Our seasons are just so busy these days. While the opportunity or while the heart may be there, the opportunities may be a few. And so I remember um, some of the people that came beside me and mentored me. There was this guy, his name is Josh, and he's a surgeon in Edmonton. Um, and he would invite all of us, the guys that he was leading in the worship team. We're all on his team. You remember these days where he would come after just doing surgery, and he'd be just, like, he'd smell so gross. He'd be there, and he would just, he, obviously, he just completed surgery, and he wouldn't have the time to shower or anything. The hospital was literally like right across the street from our church and so he would just cross the street and he would be with us and the entire time we would do less singing and we would do more reading we would do less singing but we would do more sharing of god's word and we would just go and tell each other about our weeks and then maybe at some point one of us would go hey we actually haven't touched the guitar and it's friday night and sunday's like right around the corner so maybe we should actually get like a sound check going and it was those moments like that where i recognized you know what, it does take some sacrifice. But then also I hear of moms who are going to their kids' schools and picking up their kids, and they're just inviting a young person to tag along. Hey, I got this like 20 minutes in my car. Vancouver traffic is horrible. Why don't you sit in my car with me and we'll go pick up our kid together. My kids, sorry, not our kid, my kids together. Because mom's saying, I'll be out with mom. Why don't we go and just share life for that? Maybe like 20 minutes there. Just a quickie. 
the, just a quick conversation about where Jesus might be in your life and a quick prayer. And we'll do this consistently to the point where this pattern is built, where you're comfortable to finding even the longer opportunities to go and be with one another in those ways. It does take an investment of time. It does take a look at your priorities and your schedules and recognizing, hey, this person that God has placed in my life, this person that I can walk with, I'm going to set intentional time for them. And the last thing is, what if it's overcomplicated? Discipleship making, often um, it looks like, if I was to ask them, my young adults even, what does discipleship look like? Maybe they would point to, to the curriculums that we use. One of my youth, they, she came in to, to share to the junior high. She's in the university. And she came in and, and um, it was a weird thing. We, were, we had a deal. She needed to complete like this yearbook of, you know like Track and Journey for Iwana? It's like the junior high and high school version. There's like two books. And there's like, we, we ask our, our families to do like family discipleship where they go and, and read the book on their own and mom and dad get to go and read the same book as, as their kid and they get to have these conversations at home. But when my youth, she totally neglected it and she's in university and, and she had other things on her mind, other side. This trophy that they give up for Juana was no longer something that she really wanted anymore at the end of the year. And there was like no like, real motivation for her to get to do it. And so her mom still wanted her to do it. So the deal was, okay, since you didn't do the book, you get to come and just share what's on your heart or just share something that God has been placing on your heart to the junior highs. Because you grew up in the church. And this is an opportunity for you to go and share with your younger brothers and sisters what on earth it is that you might be wrestling through, whether it be encouraging things or whether it just be you sharing the questions that you're asking. And it was this beautiful thing. She came in and told the young adults, the junior high students, that it was okay to go and ask questions about God. It was okay for the junior high students to hear from somebody in first year university that they don't have it all together and that they're deeply struggling with their faith, but here's where they're at. They're uncomfortable with their questions. But they're not just going to ignore it. She's not just going to ignore it. And here's what she's doing about it. That was the only thing that she wanted to share with the junior high students. But it was funny because she looked at me afterwards and she said, this is what you do for me. You gotta go and like plan curriculums to like teach the junior high students? I thought you were like a pastor. Like, what happened to this like teaching thing? You're like planning a lesson. Like, that's not fun. But then we just had this big conversation about, okay, well, this is not typical discipleship. Sure, the pastors or the teachers amongst us, the ones gifted with this ability to teach, we are here and we get to use these gifts, these spiritual gifts that God has bestowed. But for the rest of us, all of us, no matter what our stage is, we get to go listen to God throughout our weeks, then go sit with a brother and sister, these three, two, one groups, and we get to go dive what it looks like to be growing in our life together. In Jesus, for Jesus, knowing Jesus, even with all of the questions and all of the wrestlings we might have. 
So, let's then dive into the heart. The finding encouragement. This work is tough, but it is his authority that we go into the intentional discipleship. Jesus is with us. He is our disciple maker. He is the one most invested into this call. And so first of all, the encouragement is know that it takes time. Know that you are not alone. And know that he is the one who cares most about the people that you are with. Know that it takes time. Jesus participated in this journey with his disciples. And it spanned over years. Years of frustration. Years of, why are you asleep when we could be praying? Years of, why are you asking me this question? Have you not seen me do this just yesterday? Or, why are you asking this question? I've been trying to tell you this all along. Know that it takes time. Know that you're not alone. Because Jesus is the one who is with us. He's the one filling our hearts with words to stay. He's the one that taps into highlighting a verse that he's just shown us a week or a month prior. And now it comes, becomes relevant in this conversation that we're having with, with the people that we're with in the small group. You ever have those moments where you just feel like God is just pressing the verse in your head? Or even just the lyric of a song that gets stuck? And here's an opportune time to go and share this heart, share this piece of, of God's word in that group, in that setting. Know that you're not alone in this because the Holy Spirit is the one who illuminates our hearts to know the love of God. It says that in Romans 5.5. The Holy Spirit is pouring out God's love in our hearts to make us more aware of Christ, to make us more aware of to make us more aware of the love that he gives. So the Holy Spirit is illuminating our heart, illuminating minds we have in these conversations. And to know that you are not the head disciple. You're not even the one who's at work in shaping hearts. You're just the vessel, the mouthpiece that God is using, the life that he is displaying his love through. He's the one who is really transforming hearts. He's the one that enlightens our hearts to receive the words that he gives. He's the one that churns. He's the one that transforms. He's the one that softens each of our hearts to go and receive him. We need his help. We need his help every single time we come into the church to go and listen to a prayer prayer. We need his help in understanding what on earth this prayer is even about and what it is that we're all tuning our hearts together as one to come before God to, to, to pray. He's the one that is at work helping our hearts to understand the lyrics that, that Duncan has just led us through. What does it mean for his love to be highlighted in this world? What does it mean for him to have came to our rescue, for us to receive this rescue? Are we in need of this rescue? It's God who's at work transforming our hearts to helping us to understand all it is that he's doing in our lives. So he is the head disciple. He's the one who goes and displays his love through his acts and his deeds that we can read about in the Gospels. He's the one that comes to us now in every single day lives to highlight this is what I'm doing in your life. This is how I'm inviting you who are weary to come to me. Here's how I'm giving you rest. Here is how I'm with you. 
takes this word of God to come. It takes his presence alone to go and shape our hearts so that we may receive and recognize his great love for us. So know that in your time together with me to one groups, or even in the conversations that you have in these groups or apart of these groups, apart from these groups, it's Jesus who's at work to fill the conversations with more of him. And let's be sensitive to all of that work. Why do this? Why do this work of intentional discipleship, of planning and thoughtfulness and caring about the conversations that we're going to have? Because the gospel is good news. The gospel is good news that is worthy to be shared. The gospel is good news that we need to respond to. The gospel is good news that demands our response. The gospel is news that we need to react to and then to invite others to react. And this is the gospel. That we have a relationship with our living God because of the blood and the body broke. That we have relationship with God because as first Peter says, the righteous died for the unrighteous to bring us closer to God. The veil that separated us sinners from our holy God was broken by Jesus because of the sacrifice. Because he came down. We just celebrated Christmas, the beginning of this incarnation, our God becoming man to take on flesh, to live as we live, to understand our sufferings as we understand it, to take on flesh and weakness and even face temptation. And then he goes and does that what we cannot do. And we bring nothing to this table. We bring nothing but our hearts that sing out hallelujah as our passage. There's a song said. And we come asking questions of why, Jesus? Why this great love? What is this all about, this redemptive plan that we get to read cover to cover? What is this heart of God that so loved us that in all his love sent his only son to come and die and lay down his life? That's the good news that we're all wrestling with together. That by his blood, he washes us white as snow. That by his body, broken for us, that we are brought to God. That whoever believes in him will receive this eternal life. And that's the good news that we are responding to together. So go as a community to go and make disciples. Go as a community to go and teach what it is that you know of God, what it is that he has gifted you, the experiences, the words, the lyrics to sing. Go and proclaim this to one another. Dive deep in the spiritual growth, the spiritual friendship, intimacy, and death. Go and dive into these things and wrestle together because our holy God who came is so worthy of all of our conversations about him. He's so good that he can invite us to come and receive him, even in our brokenness, even in our depravity, even in all the sins that we partake in. We do this work now as the local church of going to build the sacrifice. And it takes time. And it takes him with us. So let us go under his authority, under his command, to go and do this part. 
but also diving into their own community and discipleship. Father, would you bless them in their time together? Father, I pray for all the people in our pews here, the ones here and the ones even at home. God, would you draw this community closer together so that we would be one? Father, we would hear from you together. And Father, they would go and speak your name throughout the week. Why is that? They would go and listen to you for one another. And together, they would draw hope from you, grace from you, and your mercies that you have seen. So, Father, draw this community closer together. For your name's sake, for your glory. And this we pray. Amen.